This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit provides information on how you can lead a healthy lifestyle. I'm the host, Josie Bidwell. Search for and subscribe to Southern Remedy on any podcasting app to not miss any episode. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives. Nancy is a chartered financial analyst. On Money Talks, we're here to answer your personal finance questions. Today, we'll also, though, talk about some spending habits that might be budget busters. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. During the show, we usually don't have time to answer emails, but we will send you a response um, off air uh, if you choose to send in your question via email. Also, one uh, programming note, our colleague Liz Gill let me know that on point this evening, uh, the topic will be cryptocurrency. So, Oh, boy. Let me check my knowledge of our evening schedule. I believe that On Point comes on at 9, but you might want to check mpbonline.org and the radio schedule uh, to, to double-check me there. Sometimes as we get older, the brain cells don't quite fire as well as they used to. So. I know that one, Kevin. <laughs> well, speaking of crypto, we were traveling this weekend coming through Atlanta, and up ahead we see this old school bus. Uh, which I was reminded of Ryder's story when he was um, just, you know, a young lad where they all redid a school bus and and fueled it with uh, cooking oil around the country. But this old school bus was painted black with a big skull and crossbones on the back, but it also had a uh, like a kayak on top. And we're like, what is this thing? And we go by the side and there is a website. So, of course, we're looking up the website and it's cryptocurrency. And they're going around the country having these seminars. They were going to have a seminar in Atlanta about cryptocurrency. I didn't think that was the best advertisement for crypto. (laughs) Well, they do everything sort of uh, unusually off the books. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, Is is the crypto craze, do you think, dying down? Like, you know, what was it, a couple years ago there was a Super Bowl ad and all that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it certainly has um, pulled back a lot, and a lot of the celebrities have pulled back because they got into a little bit of trouble there. A lot of hype around that, and you always want to be cautious anytime there's an investment where there's a lot of hype. It could be that it's a bubble where everybody jumps on. And if you're on that bubble, when it pops, it's pretty miserable. You're going to lose a lot of money. And a lot of people did. And so they're gun shy. But crypto still has a place in our system as a type of currency. Um, I still contend we're not at the point of calling it actual money yet because it's still so volatile. But, you know, it does have a use. Also, uh, speaking of bubbles, and I'm not sure this is that, but it just jogged my memory. I think on one of the streaming services I have, maybe Hulu is what I've got, so it might be on that. There is a movie that they've created on the whole GameStop. Oh, yeah, I saw that. So that uh, might be interesting to check out. So uh, what else is going on financially in the news this week? Well, uh, you mentioned spending habits, and certainly we all know that we're using checks less. But uh, it was interesting to read an article that quantified all of that. Back in 2000, six of every 10 non-cash transactions were done with a check. 
Now, only one in 20. Isn't that amazing, that change that has happened? And of course, we know that older people tend to use checks more than younger people. Uh, We tend to still use checks for any purchases over $500. But the uh, one non-cash thing that we're using right now, what do you think it is? The top one. Um... Cash app? I mean, like... A- no, no. Even though Cash app, Zelle, Venmo, PayPal, they are gaining in popularity, it's the credit card. Hmm. And of course, we talk about the credit card on this show and how it gives you more protection than a debit card, but I still worry, and that may be what's connected to the rise in credit card balances, because we're just pulling out that credit card. And if you don't pay it off every month and you have that rolling balance and you're incurring additional interest charges. And, you know, I think I've mentioned several times on the air my kind of struggles with credit. So I always, when we talk about that, like to give folks, you know, uh, uh, just some encouragement. If you're struggling with uh, with the, that sort of credit card debt that, uh, you know, go ahead, just try to get started on it. And I, I can't tell you how much less stress you will have in oh, your life absolutely. if you don't have this looming. Because, you know, when you get in that, it's like it's the astronomical figures and you're just like, well, how am I ever going to pay that off? And so... Um, you know, but if you work at it, uh, you can. And we've talked about this before when it comes to savings and that sort of thing. When you get those habits going in the right direction, not only are you moving towards your ultimate goal, but you begin to feel better and it might help you improve your other financial habits. Well, it definitely will. And the first thing you need to do when it comes to any kind of debt is just face it. Uh, Don't think you can ignore it, but you need to pull out every single one of those statements, add it all up, let it stare you in the face, look up what the interest charges on every single one of them. Your eyes will pop as we're starting to see average interest charges hitting around the 20% nationwide. That's a real shock to a lot of people. And that may give you the motivation to really start digging in and get rid of them. And Nancy, your, that last piece of advice you gave really, I think, is probably some of the best advice when it comes to dealing with debt, because, again, I was guilty of that. And it's so easy to do when you have a credit card. It's just, yeah. you know, put it on there. You're only going to get a statement once a month. And if you just look at that and maybe look at the minimum payment or you have amount that you want to give, you can successfully avoid the 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 total but the what ha- kind of funny helped me was exactly that i i had a spreadsheet that i do my you know my bills on and so i ha- had a little separate formula and looked over there and i'm like oh gosh look how much that it's is stunning. And it's, yeah. it's thousands of dollars and so it's scary but uh, it, it, i think for most people it scared straight you know that old documentary yeah. i think that's a case where i think if you see that you know um you realize that you you need to kind of change your, your spending habits. Well, and a lot of people get fooled because they'll have several different cards. You know, you have several store cards that you've opened, one main one you might use. You might have a gas card. And you don't realize that you're just thinking, well, I just have a little bit here and there. But if you sit down and write them all down or put them in a spreadsheet as you did, that's when it really hits you how much you owe. And that the other thing, too, and we've talked about this on the air before, <clears throat> just the idea of having to balance or juggle three or four different cards is mm-hmm. is, is taxing. Yeah. And so I, I do have several, but I've pretty much limited it to – actually, the, one of them I'm keeping open simply because of the – Pet, the, the the payment history, which, you know, helps out with your credit score. But uh, I've really cut down and, and primarily used the one that has the lowest 
uh, interest rate is for my primary when I need to use a credit card. So, well, uh, we just I just read a great article from Michelle Singletary. She's a Washington Post financial um, um, writer, and she talked about closing credit card accounts. And somebody was complaining, "Well, my my credit score was dinged." Um, she said, "Yes, it might be, but it's just temporary. Don't worry about it. You probably still have really good scores, so go ahead and get rid of it." Right. I would also say that if you're in in where you could get rid of one, maybe that's indicating that you are in a better you know financial situation, and so it won't you know heart harm that credit score as much as you might think. Although you're right, it will take a ding, and then a lot of things. You know, when I bought a new car, same thing. It, it's going to temporarily get you, but if you have established those good habits, you'll get it back. Absolutely. And it's interesting to me. I like these lists, and we talk about them frequently on the air because I think it's an easy way to get discussions going. But I'm starting to see conflicting things about whether this is, you know, wasting your money or not. So that's kind of fun. We'll dig through those. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone. Then you get to listen to all the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with uh, Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives. You know, each week on Money Talks, we want to answer whatever personal finance question that you have. So when you hear us talk about today, we're going to try to talk about, you know, spending habits that might bust your budget, or we talked about saving at the grocery store. Those are just things to kind of fill in the time between your phone calls, because that's what we're really after uh, is questions that you need answered about your personal finance. In fact, we've got three on the line. So in a minute, we're going to talk to Catherine and Linda, but let's start in Columbus with Nick. Nick, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. I have a question about debit cards versus credit cards. Okay. I have a I have a MasterCard, which is a debit card, and I have another. Uh, that's the only debit card I have, and I have one credit card that I buy all of my gas on. Uh, I use it strictly for gas for the automobile. Now, I understand, and I don't quite understand why, but I understand that uh, credit cards give you a little bit more protection than a debit card. Now, my question is here that the debit card comes through MasterCard, and that's a card, too. Can you explain the difference to me why I should be using a credit card versus a debit card? Well, Nick, there are two different ways your money is moved out of your account or you are charged based on whether you use a debit card or a credit card. So if you use your debit card, even though it's a MasterCard and it's a debit card, that money immediately comes out of your checking account. Now, if somebody uses that without your permission, uh, if there's a charge that you think that was not a fair charge, you can go back to your bank and they will research that and then make a decision. But in the meantime, that money is out of your account. It is gone. Um, Whereas a credit card is a loan. So when you use that credit card, that money doesn't come out of your bank account. And the protection is that when the statement shows up and you say, look, that was not me that charged that, then immediately uh, a hold is put on that. You are not responsible until that issue is resolved. So it's, it's a matter of who gets to use that money in the meantime. And that's why a credit card 
offers you more protection. If there is some dispute, if someone has used your card and without permission, then you don't have to pay it until it gets resolved. But a debit card, your money is gone, and then you're going to have to go through sometimes a matter of months before it gets settled. Does that help? Yeah, I think you've explained that to me very thoroughly, and I appreciate it very much. Okay, thanks. All right, uh, Nick, we appreciate your call. He he did bring up a good point, though, because my debit card is branded with Visa, and I think that that's done just to give you the added flexibility of when, you know, I think last week we were talking about, like, online purchases. There would be no way for you to enter a PIN number, so they give you – Sort of something that mirrors a credit card, although it still is a debit card. Well, and it, and it could be a matter of who is administering all of those uh, accounts and the statements and and handling the transactions. Um, and again, um, the problem with as an end user, the credit card offers you more protection, but it's going to cost the retailer more if you use a credit card versus a debit card. So I do think twice about it, especially when I go into small retailers. And a lot of small retailers are now um, charging extra or giving you a discount if you use cash because they do have to take anywhere from 2 to 4% off the top for uh, those transactions. And one other quick follow-up. I know that sometimes I'll get a text message or something that says, hey, Someone has charged this amount, you know, right, yeah. somewhere. Is this a legitimate charge? And then, so they kind of, kind of stop it at the before it goes through. But if it's one where you're, oh gosh, I didn't spend that. Does the cr- credit card company ever have any way to recoup any of that money, seeing that the transaction is already passed? Yes, they do. Of course, they have um, all kinds of insurance and protections. Uh, they also have a business model where they know they're going to have to write off a certain amount because a lot of that goes on. But you know, trust me, they're still making money. (laughs) Okay. Back to the phone lines we go. Off to Mobile, Alabama. Linda has called in with her question. Good morning, Linda. Go ahead. Good morning. I have some uh, retirement rollover money that I want to invest in CDs. Do I have to have a specific kind of CD since it's coming from a retirement account? Okay, Linda, let me stop you there because um, this is through an employer plan, right? Well, I've retired. Right, but but it wasn't, it's an old employer plan? Yes. Okay, so what you need to do before you request that rollover, have you already requested it? No, I haven't. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it is rolled over. I rolled it over several years ago from a 403B at my place of work, and now it's in, just some of it is just sitting in a money market account in Vanguard waiting for me to put it where I want it. Okay, but it's an IRA account now, right? Yes. All right, so you went from an employer plan to an IRA account. When you move from, uh-huh. and let me just back up because people need to know this, when you move from an employer plan, a 401k or 403b, to an IRA, mm-hmm. you have to first open an IRA account so that that money mm-hmm. can be received. If you don't, if you just say, give me the money directly and I'll take care of the rollover, they're going to automatically take out 20% and assume that you are taking it out as a distribution to pay tax. And for you to get all of that money rolled back in without it counting as income, you have to put back in 100%, even though you only got 80%. But a 
apparently you opened the IRA account at Vanguard, and now the money is sitting there. If you want to do CDs, and you might be able to do those at Vanguard, you can also do them at your local bank. If you want to do them at your local bank, you just need to open an IRA account there, and then they can do the paperwork to move the money from Vanguard's IRA to the bank's IRA in your name, at which point you can you know, invest in whatever you want to invest in. They're not particular types of CDs just for IRA accounts. An IRA account is an account registration, and a CD is a type of investment or a security within that account. So you can have pretty much anything you want in an IRA, just you got to make sure it stays within the IRA account so it's not counted as income. Does that help? I, I think so. So I can take money out of that IRA to put it in a CD without paying taxes on it now? You can. But again, if you're going to do this at the bank, you go to the bank first and open an IRA account. And you tell them, you show them the statement at Vanguard, and you move over how much, however much you want to move over to purchase CDs. They will do it through their paperwork. Okay. And then... Well, I, I think I'm going to do it all online, just so I can keep it all at Vanguard. But And you can do okay. that. So it, within your Vanguard account, and if you're struggling with, with purchasing CDs, you should be able to call Vanguard and talk to one of their representatives and explain that you're trying to purchase CDs within the IRA account. They can help you. Okay. Yeah, I think someone had mentioned that it has to be a different type of CD. No, it, no. Mm-mm. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. All right, good luck. All right, thank you. All right, Linda, thanks for your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Got some good questions to start us off. Still time for you to call in with your personal finance question. We're off to Madison next. Catherine has called in today. Good morning, it's your turn. Go ahead. Hi there, good morning. Good morning. I have a question about my retirement. I left the public school system last year and had invested 13 years with PERS and have now moved to a nonprofit. But I need to continue investing because I did not fulfill my retirement, and I'm trying to get the best advice in which direction to go with a 49-year-old. Okay. Um, so... When you were a public school uh, employee and it, you had PERS, did you also contribute to the other type of plan, the deferred compensation plan? I did. You did. So you have two pieces. You have an amount that's at PERS and you have the deferred compensation plan, right? Yes. Okay. So the combination of those two pieces, if if you don't think you're ever going to go back into a, a public service situation where you might pick up and keep adding to the PERS years, then you might want to roll over what was in PERS, also roll over what was in deferred compensation. Does your new nonprofit offer any type of retirement plan? They do not. They do not. Okay. Then you need to roll those two pieces into an IRA, which you can then direct and choose the type of investments that you want. And you will be able to continue contributing to that IRA, but you're going to be limited to the annual amounts for an IRA, which are around 6500 7000 I need to look that up. It changes every year. Um, 
And then once you hit over 50, you do have a catch-up. So you can't contribute as much as you could through an employer plan, but you still need to keep doing that. Okay. All right. So uh, get yourself an IRA account, get those two pieces rolled over, and start adding to it and keep working on it. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Catherine, thanks for your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Looking for your personal finance questions this morning. Back to Mobile we go. Sally has called in now. Good morning, Sally. You're on the air with us. Thank you. Good morning, and thank you for taking the question. I have a long-existing IRA from when I was employed. I'm retired. I have to receive the minimum distribution each year. Can that be put back into the IRA? No, it cannot. It cannot. So those IRAs were created with the idea of we can defer or we can pay the taxes later. So Uncle Sam wants his money. And so when you have those required minimum distributions, RMDs, and uh, they were at 70 and a half, they are now at 72, working their way up to 73 when you have to start taking that. You just have to take those, declare them as income. If you don't need them, Sally, then you can turn around and just put them in a what we would call a regular taxable account, just an account in your name. Um, but you still have to go ahead and declare that as income and pay tax, and you can't put it back in a retirement account. May I ask a second question? Thank you for this. I understand. The second question is this. In my will, I've left half of my income which is the IRA, to my nephew as the beneficiary. And the other half is regular banking, and I've left it to a charity. Am I doing that in the right direction, or should the IRA oh. go to the Okay, this is going to be odd, because um, if your, your IRA has beneficiaries already, correct? Yes. And who do you list as your beneficiary on that account? My nephew. All right. So, and only your nephew? Yes. All right. So your nephew would inherit that IRA, not just the income from it, but he would inherit the whole IRA to do with as he wishes. Now, one uh, qualification there is he has to take all the money out within 10 years. So that IRA with its beneficiary doesn't even go through your will. So if there are other things outside of your IRA account, other things that don't have a beneficiary um, that you would want to designate to go to something, then you can do it that way. Now, if you wanted to put the charity as the beneficiary, they could then take the money without any income tax to pay on it with an IRA. Um, so that's the difference there. If you're trying to weigh, you know, I, I'm not sure how old your um, your family member is, uh, what their needs are, what your desires are. But but think about anything that has a beneficiary doesn't even go through your will. So think that about that is so helpful. Yeah. Yes. You think about all the separate things that you have. So uh, life insurance doesn't go through your will. Um, Annuities don't go through your will because they have beneficiaries. IRA, retirement accounts don't go through your will. They have beneficiaries. And in the state of Mississippi, we're even allowed to have something called a TOD or a POD, a pass on death, where you can put a beneficiary on just a regular account. So for a lot of people, a lot of things don't even go through the will, and they get confused by that. So you have to think about 
about all of that, you might want to just visit with a local attorney and um, it wouldn't cost you that much. But that person is going to be talking to you about those issues and asking those questions about what your real desires are. Thank you so much. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. All right, Sally. Thanks for your call. Uh, A a follow-up, can you give an RMD to a charity, and are there any benefits to doing that? Yes, it's called um, a QCD, a Qualified Charitable Distribution. And the greatest benefit to doing that is then that uh, distribution doesn't count as income. So a lot of people think, well, I'm going to take that income, and I'm going to turn around and make a gift. Um, But if it never shows up as income, that may mean lower income tax rates for you. And for a lot of people who are already retired, because we've had changes in the tax law where we now have greater uh, standard deductions, a lot of people don't even itemize their deductions. So if you're not doing enough in charitable deductions, um, mortgage deductions, all kinds of other things to itemize, it makes sense just to lower the bottom line income. And you can do that by looking carefully at what do we usually give away every year and who do we give that to? And that's what we do with our clients is talk about those plans and how do we create a strategy that keeps their income lower. And it's not just the income tax rate, because when you are retired, um, we have different brackets for Medicare premiums, too. So um, a lot of people have done it right, Kevin. They've saved so much. They have a lot in their employer plans. And then they hit the age where they have to start taking it out. And they find there are huge amounts that end up changing their Medicare premiums. So it's a big deal. You're listening to Money Talks, MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives. Nancy is a chartered financial analyst and ready to take your personal finance questions. While we wait for your phone calls, we're going to be talking about some spending habits that might bust your budget, but we've gotten some great calls already today. So our spending habits that might be budget busters, and the first one seems sort of counterintuitive, but the number one on the list is buying cheap items. So I guess the idea is while this might save you some money on the front end, maybe over the long term, yeah. not such a good idea. Yeah, you really think have to think about the life of that item and how long you will use it. Um, I have been guilty of this myself in the past because I love a good bargain. Uh, but sometimes it pays to buy quality. And I'm becoming more and more convinced about buying quality when it comes to the grocery store as well, because that does change the result. And um, also, you know, good food is good for us. I guess, you know, another thing, too, is maybe some things, I don't know, like paper towels may be cheap, but uh, you can go for the cheaper ones, the, the the no-name ones. But then, like I say, I'll put it up. This is this is not me. This was the, the, what I got from the Internet. You might want to invest You're in shoes. You're distancing sho- yourself, huh? In shoes. It's probably a good idea to spend yes, a little more on shoes. Yes, it is a good idea to invest in good quality shoes. I would agree with that, uh, even though I've had my day of – you know, all the fashion ones. Uh, I've given them up. But yeah, that's an important one. And also the tip is, uh, you know, wait for sales and use coupons. So that way the uh, more expensive items the uh, are a little easier on your budget. All right. Number two, this is an interesting one. And I remember um, a story on This American Life, a public radio program that's been on for a number of years that has interesting stories. But the idea was the guy, anywhere he went, would ask, I think he would ask for free but the, the idea here is that if you're not negotiating a better deal, you might be busting your budget. So are your, what are your thoughts on, on haggling or trying to get a better deal? 
well, my husband is the best at this, and he does it in such a nice way. He should have been a diplomat. You know, people just give him things, and then it, it's like he's doing them a favor. And me, I'm just like, sure, I'll just pay whatever. Let me go my way. Um, I mean, it's okay to ask, but sometimes I find myself thinking, especially if I'm dealing with a small retailer or an artisan or artist, I don't want to undercut them. Um, I, there is value to their work, and if I really want that, I will go for it. But, you know, sometimes haggling can be fun. So if I go to a consignment place, I don't mind asking for a better price. If I am shopping in uh, like some sort of art festival, you know, sometimes they'll see me looking at something and then offer me a better deal if I'm willing to purchase something. Um, That's one approach, but I don't do it that often. And, you know, a, a flea market, I believe that that's kind of the where the, the haggling really is. That's almost like built in that you might yeah, expect that, that you there. would expect that. Yeah. Um, and then the other one that's somewhat of a tangent, but it, it never hurts to call your credit card company and ask for a lower rate or possibly. a Well, it's funny when you ask for a lower rate, they usually say, well, no, we can't do that, but we'll increase your credit limit if you'd like. Oh, no, you don't <laughs> want to do that. Um, you want to get a break on the interest rate if you're carrying over a balance. And so you can ask that and um, you can even approach that with, look, if you're going to give me a better rate, I'll stick with you. Otherwise, I'm going to close this account count and move over because it's a competitive uh, business. And if you have a decent credit score, decent credit report, pretty clean, then they want to hang on to you. Um, That's how they make money. And so often they will lower some of those fees. And I would think you mentioned however more competitive the field is, the more chances are that they would you would be likely to be successful. Well, and when it comes to a credit card, if if they can look and see that you make your payments on time, you make at least what they require, then they want to hang on to you as a customer. Um, I'm not as comfortable as others when trying to do this. I don't know why it just it. I almost feel like I'm lying or whatever. But one other story that's interesting, uh, Sirius XM. And now you're lying on air? <laughs> Never. It's recorded. <laughs> but uh, Sirius XM, the streaming music service, charges what I consider to be, you know, not a whole lot of money. But a friend of mine, what he does is he will get an offer and then at the end of the year or whatever it is, they'll boost his thing back up to whatever the original price was supposed to be. He will call and yeah, just flat out sure. say, I'm, I'm getting rid of this. Sure. And when you do that, you get sent immediately to the please don't leave us department. Exactly. And I've found out that it's I've done it a couple of times, but still, I'm again, I'm a little, you know, antsy about it. But at one time, it's like I just said, well, my friend's getting it for this amount. And they're, you know, okay, we can do that for you. I, I, I have no problem with doing that, Kevin. I have done it myself several times because they have to show me that there's value. So if they give you this teaser offer, which is what they're doing to get you to sign up. And they are banking on the fact that most people don't mark their calendars, don't pay attention, and the price goes up and your credit card keeps getting hit for a larger amount. And they just let it run. But if you're willing to put in the work and make the phone call and you're saying, it's not a value to me at a higher price, make me an offer. And if they do, I'll, I'll stick with you. Then yeah, they'll do it. 
our colleague Liz Gill is, is screening the phones for us today, and she sent a little note in, and I like the way she says this. We're talking about this, you know, asking for a better order. She says, not for Comcast anymore. <laughs> they said if I could find a better price, I should just go sign up for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Comcast is really on the ropes these days, so uh, that's what's happening. But, you know, in the streaming service game, that's what they're fighting because they you can cancel any time, and this is what we do. We wa- we have this one show we're watching, and now it's done, and it's not going to come back on for a long time. So we'll just stop that service. And so their customers are playing that game. That's a legitimate game to play. And that's one thing. I'm the the person you talked about that I never seem to I never put the work into you know to keep up with that. And so my thing is I've got you know whatever streaming service, and I to me it's too much work to do that every couple of months kind of thing. So but you yeah, know. and you're typical, and that's what they're counting on that you just let it go. It's the reason uh, they want you to sign up for um, subscription services, for gym memberships, for um, online uh, news papers, all of that, because they know you're just not paying attention. And that leads to the next one on the list. And it is something that we've talked a lot about that this idea of you have all these things that you paid for and then you never use. Interesting statistic, according to Statistic Brain, 67% of these types of memberships and things go unused. Yes, absolutely. So again, uh, take inventory of everything. And, and, you know, you don't have to do this. I would say if you did it like once a quarter, maybe uh, that would be sufficient to kind of catch things. I mean, you might lose a couple of months, but if you do something on the regular basis, you'll see those things and look and think, wow, when is the last time I went to the gym? Unfortunately, well, you know, that I kind do of thing. get alerts and this is helpful to me. So anytime a charge comes through, that's an automatic charge, typically on my credit card, I get an alert and that reminds me and I cannot even tell you the number of times, Kevin, I've seen something come through and I'm thinking, well, I don't even know what that is. I don't even remember that charge. And so I had to go and dig it up and figure it out. And oftentimes it's something automatic that I just don't want anymore. Thanks for listening to our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives. Going to have a couple of callers on the line. Let's begin again with Vanessa, who's called in this morning. Hi, good morning, by the way. Thanks. So I am a single mother of two toddlers, and it's very hard for me to save. Once I have my savings, something always comes up, and I cannot grasp a good amount. What can I do other than just put away money or watch what you're spending? I mean, how can I gather up more money? Um, Vanessa, are you working? Yes. And uh, does your employer offer a retirement plan? No, they do not. Okay. Um, So I would encourage you to open an IRA account. We had Catherine earlier talk about being at a nonprofit where she no longer has an employer plan and she could do an IRA. You can put up to $6,500 a year into an IRA account. Um, If you're under the age of 50, if you're over the age of 50, that bumps up to $7,500 and that is adjusted every year. What you might want to do, Vanessa, and of course with two toddlers, single mom, I would not worry about if you put money in savings and then it gets sucked out because it's going to happen. You're going to have all kinds of things. But one little trick you might want to try is to open an IRA account somewhere. You can do it at the bank. You can do it at Brokerage House. Uh, We had someone mention Vanguard earlier. Excellent company. And maybe you can only do $50 a month, but set it up on a bank draft. 
and uh, put it in that account. At the same time, you want, might want to set up a bank draft for a, an amount to go into your savings account. Because if something comes up, you want an account where you can easily get that money. You don't want to tap into the IRA account. What happens with most of us, just like we were talking about with our gym memberships or our uh, any kind of subscription service, we forget about it and we let it go. So if you're doing just a little bit of, into that IRA account and you gradually start to increase that as you go along, you'll be amazed how you will adjust your spending and you'll forget about it and that will start to build up. But you still need to maintain a good Good savings account so you're not tempted to tap into that retirement account. So make it automatic. Do a small, just start small, work your way up as you go. Um, if you start to earn a little bit more from your job, you can increase what's going into that retirement account. How old are you? 31. 31. This is perfect. You have time on your side. So just get started. Keep it up. Be disciplined. Um, go for some good investments. If you need some help, find somebody local who can help you get an account opened and get started. But I'd suggest Vanguard. Okay. Thank you. Good Thank luck. You. All right, uh, Vanessa. Thank <clears throat> thanks for your call. And my bit of advice would be similar to, uh, you know, on our on our um, Healthy and Fit show, Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on Mondays at 11, the host, Josie Bidwells, talks about you know, healthy eating and that sort of thing. And she always says, don't beat yourself up if you slip up and have, you know, some extra Oreos or an extra piece of cake and that sort of thing, because, you know, keep yourself in that positive frame of mind going in the right direction. And I would say the same thing. If you're starting out, saving money is a habit that you have to learn how to do. Yes. And so Mm -hmm. if you stumble a little bit and maybe you miss a month, that sort of thing, you know, try to figure out what happened. I mean, don't just completely ignore it, but don't beat yourself up and be too hard on yourself because, again, you want that positive energy going forward. Well, but if you make it automatic and it's just drafted out of your bank account, for most of us, just like they use it against us when we're spending, use it in that savings mode. Make it automatic. You're not going to think about it. And, you know, human beings, we tend to spend what gets in our hot little hands. And uh, so if it never gets to us and it's set aside, uh, we're making it work in our favor. And again, when you see that go up and up and up. It's that, great fun. Yes, it's a, it's a great feeling. And I know that from personal experience. <clears throat> Let's go next to Summit. T is on the line. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. All right. Good morning. Uh, my question is, is that I, uh, my 401k that I've been happy my employee for over 13 years, by uh, time, you know, we all may get into a financial situation, but uh, at the time I have was able to, like, borrow some of my own money and set up payments to repay myself back. And my question is, like, all the money that you would pay in for as life insurance, like, uh, where does that money go? Like, you never use it. I mean, not, not before the end of your life, but like, all that money that you put in, say, over 15 years of paying life insurance, like, if you were to get into a financial situation, do any type of life insurance places, like, Say, hey, we can loan you this much money back if you paid in $30,000 and set up payments, or your money just sits in a pot and roll over to just the life insurance itself. But 
that's my question. I'm, I'm just listening to your comment answer over here. Okay, I'll I'll try to answer the question because it seemed like mostly what you were asking about is insurance. And I cannot tell you the number of times I get this from my husband. Well, why do we have all this insurance and we never use it? You hope you never use it because insurance is designed to cover the things you couldn't cover if you have some sort of disaster. Uh, A tornado strikes your house. You have a car accident. With life insurance, you're trying to protect against the loss of income. Now, there are different types of life insurance. Some life insurance, the kind we usually recommend, is term life insurance, which works. It's just insurance. You just put the money in, and uh, for a certain period of time, maybe 15 or 20 years, um, if you don't die, then you have paid all those premiums and you get nothing. But you don't want to die. You just want to make sure that if this person does die, that that family has some protection against the loss of that income. There are other types of insurance, whole life insurance, universal life insurance that does have some cash value that builds up. I don't usually recommend those. Those are uh, very particular situations where you might use those, but that people get sold on those because they are told, oh, you get the insurance and you get the investment. It's not a great investment. It starts to decline in cash value typically as you age because the cost of insuring your life goes up because you're more likely to die as you get older. Um, So that's not what insurance is designed for. Now, there was some question he had, Kevin, about his 401k when he started, and I didn't quite catch all that. Did you? No. T, are you still with us? Uh, Yes, yes. Uh, That's that's what I was kind of comparing with the life insurance, like with your 401k. No, okay. If you're you're deciding whether to have insurance or uh, have a retirement account, the first thing you need to try to understand is who am I protecting as far as the loss of my income? And so you may need to have some basic term insurance, but your best investment is probably going to be through your 401k. I think the question is the same question for the 401k that you're you're paying into the 401k for however many months and then if you leave that job does that money just disappear? No, it does not. That money is there for you. You can roll it over to an IRA. We've had several questions um in the show today about rolling it to an IRA. That is your money. Uh the only thing you have to watch out for is some employers also contribute to the plan and they may have something called a vest schedule. And a vesting schedule is a schedule of, um, okay, if you leave before five years is up, then you don't get all the money we put in. The money you put in is yours. You can take it with you. But whatever the employer puts in, they may be a limit to what you, you can take with you, depending on how long you've been at the employer. So watch out for that. All right, uh, T, we appreciate your call. This is Money Talks, and we've uh, come to the end of the hour. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your preferred podcasting app. So for Dr. Nancy Lodger-Janderson, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.